0: OHSU aspires to be a great organization, diverse in people and ideas. As part of ongoing efforts to improve the climate of inclusion, OHSU recently launched a campus-wide initiative on unconscious bias. It's Tuesday, February 6th, and this is OHSU Week. I'm Patrick Holmes. Tracy Lamb sat down with Dr. Brian Gibbs, Vice President for Equity and Inclusion, to learn more about the Unconscious Bias Initiative.
1: Thank you, Dr. Gibbs, for being here today. First of all, briefly, what is the Unconscious Bias campus-wide initiative and why is it taking place here at OHSU?
2: The Unconscious Bias campus-wide initiative is an effort to improve upon a climate of inclusion to really uh, take advantage of all the wonderful things that we do uh, as an institution and figure out ways in which we can do better. There are external threats to our values and day-to-day conflicts that just come about because of the ways in which we see and experience the world. So the Unconscious Bias Initiative is an effort for us to really examine take time to pause and reflect upon how we've come to see things and react to things the way in which we do. And where some of those biases kind of help to protect us and keep us safe, there are other biases that come about that really impede the ways in which we interact with others in the workplace.
1: Yeah, so when we're talking about unconscious bias, we're essentially talking about everyday bias. Mm -hmm.
2: That's correct. Uh, That everyday bias is the ways in which we view people who are overweight, or people who are super tall, and people who are super short, and people who talk with an accent, people who walk with a limp, or people who are in wheelchairs. It's the ways in which we are bombarded with um, that information every day. And we make conclusions, whether it's about race or gender, about the disposition of the other person that we see. And some of that information is informed by things that have nothing to do with the individual who's in front of us, but is more of a reflection of the ways in which we've processed a lot of information over a lifetime.
1: And you know, we are encouraging all OHSU employees to attend a two-hour training seminar. And I think it's important to note that this is not a quote-unquote class per se, but rather more of a a discussion.
2: It's a way to um, pause, as I mentioned, and to engage with others on how biases do uh, come about. And individually, um, we come to work and then we engage with others and sometimes those biases collude and we begin as a group to see the behavior of one individual as being this and everybody agrees and, and no one is checking in with why that person may feel isolated or respond in the climate uh, in such a way that they're less outspoken, and instead of checking in with that person to invite them into a discussion, they're oftentimes alienated and perceived to be difficult to work with, disconnected, and we, you, you know, go with a groupthink, and so it's with an opportunity as a group, as an intact group, to uncouple um the dynamics in our workplace by looking at our individual contributions to to those dynamics and then create an opportunity through dialogue to examine what those biases are how they come about and what things we can do collectively to mitigate against them and begin to practice once we leave the training
1: yeah. and you touched on on, on this already but you know, the goal is to have folks train as part of an intact work group. Why is it important for, for employees to, to train as a team or a work group?
2: Because it's important for us to work as a team and to have performance metrics as a work group. When people are going through the training um, on their own, they don't come back to that group and and meet with the same kind of experience as it would be to go through that experience together, Um, get a chance to, through that experience, um, exposure to our faults, our limitations, and to celebrate that we get there in different ways, but oftentimes in ways that really will not optimize our good intentions. And so through the experience of the aha and the um, conversations that help us to discover the aha moments, we begin to see how much everyday bias just pervades upon all of us and how we can not burden ourselves with guilt, but elevate ourselves with hope that we can do more and to do better and we can function more productively as an intact group once we leave the training.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important to note that it is um, a bit of a self-reflection. And like you said, there's no, we don't want anybody to take away any sense of guilt after going through this training. So what do you hope that people will take away most after this training?
2: An appreciation that this way of thinking and reflecting on the ways that bias will interrupt how we engage with one another, that through this training an opportunity To expose ourselves to a tool. The tool is only going to be as good as we choose to utilize the tool, to practice the tool. Uh, It's a way for people to step back and say, my way of seeing things is not the only way to see things. And how can I just take a moment to pause and try to see a perspective that's not my own, but from someone that I can see, respect, and value who's front of me and what does it take for me to see value and respect the person in front of me and that's the pause because oftentimes we're very quick based upon the way a person is dressed or is speaking we're very quick to dismiss our ability to hear listen and learn from that person just because of the biases that we have
1: And this training is part of a broader initiative, correct?
2: The training is in fact a part of the broader initiative. We want to create a social change around engagement, around inclusion. We believe that diversity is indeed uh, a part of being an excellent institution. But diversity alone is not going to get us to inclusion. It's the ways in which we practice exclusion, and sort of define that exclusion as standard operating procedure. And we don't take enough time to look at whether this standard operating procedure is in fact creating the kind of diversity or if it's really practicing things that are more discriminatory and based on the ways in which we express what we're comfortable with as an institution. And if left unchecked, um, we can be very skewed in the way that we present ourselves, not only to one another, but also to our patients and to the community. And we do want to present ourselves as an inclusive and equitable culture. We can't get there overnight. It takes practice. One training is not going to do it. It's the things that will happen afterwards. It's having champions throughout our institution, ambassadors throughout our institution, infusing the kind of energy activities and practices that will consistently place before us the concepts that help to bring greater inclusion and hopefully, it will provide that level of vitality where we get the best of all of our employees.
1: In terms of it being part of an ongoing opportunity for employees, you have used the phrase building an airplane while it's flying. Can you please explain that metaphor?
2: Great question. Yeah, I hope to be able to explain the metaphor. It's one that really takes into consideration we want this initiative to be as less disruptive and to optimize inclusion in the workplace that we would be able to engage individuals not only through the training but to continue to engage in activities to help expand the practice of unconscious bias and or to expand the practice of inclusion to do that in the least disruptive manner across 17,000 employees invariably there's going to be a little bit of noise but we want this plane to keep on flying we want to continue to reorganize the plane in such a way that we can have policies practices and opportunities for everyone as i said earlier to bring their best selves to the workplace
1: and it's also a great metaphor for that we're all learning as we build this airplane together.
2: Great point. Yes, it is a co-learning experience. So we want to get the feedback from others, particularly this being our first year. We'd look at it more so as a pilot, and the greater the input, the greater the flight, the better the quality of feedback that we have, the better product that we continue to refine, that we include so many different trainees in different areas of the institution. We want all those different uh, intact groups to have a really positive experience, and the only way we can do that is to invite the feedback.
1: So you talked about wanting feedback. How can people give feedback?
2: Feedback can be offered via email at the UBCI at OHSU.edu.
1: Again, that's UBCI at OHSU.edu. Correct. And, you know, I want to uh, switch gears a little bit because some people have commented and wondered why we haven't used the terms discrimination or racism. Um, What is your response to that?
2: Because implicit bias isn't just about racism and it is about discrimination. And it is protective in the sense that there are ways in which our brain will discriminate that which keeps us safe and that which creates fear. Uh, And so the, the terms discrimination and racism can be rather pejorative and inflammatory. It's not that implicit bias isn't taking into account those dimensions. It's just that implicit bias is more than those two things. It's the ways in which we choose to value what we're comfortable with. It could be hair color, skin tone, accent, body size, all different ways in which we choose in our brains to sort information. And so we have challenges here at OHSU that have to do with race. But it's not because we are intentionally practicing exclusion based on race. Intentionally, I stress. However, We do have data to suggest that there are groups, women and underrepresented minorities, and and staff who don't have the same experience. And we want to figure out some of the reasons why and continue to improve upon it. I believe we have an incredible workforce and even more imaginative, creative uh, leadership team and that which we can do more and to do better to, to maximize the potential of what people bring, no matter where they come to work every day, to do their job and to help OHSU be a better OHSU. And so I, I personally and professionally appreciate the concepts of discrimination and racism, and I believe that this initiative is going to address those dimensions, but so much more.
1: And the hope of this unconscious bias initiative is to launch a culture change, which you've mentioned, where OHSU community becomes fully inclusive. What do you believe it will take to bring culture change?
2: The aspirational vision of why culture change is important the culture change that helps to promote inclusion so that we can attract the best and the brightest throughout the world and that we're not overlooking segments of our culture and or we attract them but we don't uh, enhance the opportunities to advance them into leadership roles and that it will take the the leadership and long-term sustained commitment. Um, where there is an ongoing learning, an ongoing practice, an ongoing level of commitment, and and, uh, to assure things a degree of accountability, that we have board support, that we have the resources there, and there's constant justification. It's not something that culture change can happen overnight. OHSU has become OHSU over a span of time. Over that span of time, we have learned how to do more and to continue to do better by attracting the best and the brightest. In order to do that, you have to be a place of destination. And we continue to be that for our patients who are diverse. We continue to do that for the state of Oregon for the most part. But we are striving to become an even more present world-class institution. And in order to do that, we have to attract the best and the brightest from throughout the world.
1: Thank you, Dr. Gibbs.
2: Thank you, Tracy. And welcome to OHSU.
1: Thank you.
0: (laughs) OHSU Week is a production of Strategic Communications. This episode was edited by Josh Anderson and produced by Tracy Lamb. I'm Patrick Holmes. See you next week.